It's the question we've all wanted the answer to. When is Kyler Murray returning? Soon, according to Kyler. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. Just exactly what does soon mean? Also, news on the D-line, and it's not good news. That position group suffers another hit. And how do the Cardinals slow down Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons, who was just named NFC Defensive Player of the Week? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 675, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Before we get into the football, and there is a football tie-in with this, no matter how small or large your family or extended family may be, there are always favorites, or a favorite. And we have learned here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, that in the Sarek family, Danny is the favorite. Oh, don't go that far, because if you're just going to have a blanket statement like that, it cannot be further from the truth, Craig. You got to specify. No, we don't. Just run with it, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I've never called myself the favorite in general. Uh, no, I might be my nephew's favorite aunt, though, which is good for me because the rest of my family, including my younger sister, lives in Dallas. So it's harder for me to kind of make make my way up that standings, <laughs> you know, climb the ranks to be his favorite. But I was talking to my nephew and my older sister on FaceTime earlier in the week, and it's picture day this week uh, at his preschool. He's two years old. And so at first it was a joke of like, oh, what should we put him in? And, and I asked my nephew, said, what do you want to wear on picture day? And he said, bird gang jersey, which is the first time he's ever called it that, but it's his Kyler Murray jersey. So my sister on Wednesday, I get a text from her. It says, I dropped him off at school. And everyone in his class was either in a polo or a dress. And he's in a bright red Kyler Murray Cardinals jersey. And I got a picture of him wearing it for picture day. And it's so cute. And the fun part of the story is I I tweeted that. I just tweeted out when I talked to him on Monday, Tuesday, whatever day it was. And he said, you know, my two-year-old nephew just told me he wants to wear his Burgang, a.k.a. his Kyler Murray jersey for picture day this week. And within minutes, I was very shocked to see that Kyler Murray himself responded and said, would love to sign that for him if possible. So that's how I have secured my spot as favorite aunt for the foreseeable future. It needs to be brought up that you did not tag. Yeah, apparently that does need to be brought up, Craig. You did not tag Kyler. Was not not a PR stunt. Not a hashtag or anything like that. Kyler Murray was paying attention, saw it. And reached out, and now all of a sudden your nephew <laughs> is going to have a signed jersey of Kyler Murray, the face of the franchise, and again, favorite aunt status. We need to add that to the website as far oh, as should, the my staff, byline? like you know, team reporter, producer, slash favorite aunt. You know what makes it even better, Craig, is that my nephew said this the week we play the Cowboys. Well, since you brought it up, Danny. <laughs> I knew it was you coming. You opened the door. I knew it was coming. This is a big week. For you. 
for me. No, every every week is big for me, but this is even bigger for you because once upon a time, not that long ago, you did work for that team and most of your family roots for that team. And since that team is in town this Sunday, how many friends and family will be in attendance, Danny? You circled this game on the calendar, so you know how long to give me flack all week for. Um no, I don't. I actually don't have a ton of family coming in. There's some family friends that are coming in, friends traveling. Um, but like my close family, it was going to be my immediate family, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, just scheduling wise. Um, it was just a little tough. Um, some Jewish holidays also fall right after. It was just kind of tricky to coordinate. And plus, it's pretty hot still. Uh, so my family is going to come out in October. But I was talking to someone about what my family's going to wear. And I feel like my nephew for sure and my older sister are going to be in Cardinals gear and, and those are set. And I don't really know about like my mom, my other sister, my brother-in-law, but I know my dad is probably going to be, if I know him and I know him pretty well, he's going to be in a cowboy shirt, but a Cardinals hat. And that's what he's going to be wearing. Okay. Well, at the end of the day though, when the score, whatever the score is, which side does he want? Does he want his hometown team to win or does he want his daughter i.e. the favorite be happy post-game Sunday I would think he would want me to be happy and the Cardinals but I'm sure I'll I'll get a text or call from him after he listens to this episode with whatever his answer might be okay well Mr. Sarek is on notice (laughs) we need a happy Danny Sarek post-game on Sunday we just basically the entire bird gang your nephew needs to be happy on Sunday now I did mention that there was a football tie-in in this this conversation with Kyler Murray. And I think, unbeknownst to me, I was not expecting this to be any part of the conversation on Wednesday, but Kyler Murray has broken his silence to a certain extent on TikTok, posted a 63-second workout video from inside the facility. Garrett Williams, you could see him in the background. You could hear Buddy Morris's voice, the Cardinals strength and conditioning coach. And Murray, without saying a word, shows himself doing squats holding a very heavy dumbbell and as the video is playing several different captions appear i tore my acl eight months ago this is the only major injury i've had i've never missed the game like this i'm itching to get back you'll learn a lot about yourself in these types of moments to those of you who ride with me support me speak up for me i appreciate you more than you'll ever know i won't let us down soon and then the music fades out and Kyler turns the camera off and we're all left to wonder okay there's a lot there in that 63 seconds again this is the first time we have heard from Kyler Murray since training camp now it wasn't his words but it was his writing of words here's my follow-up question did you see this on TikTok or on Twitter I saw it on okay to be fair it was our colleague, Zach Gershman, who posted it on Twitter. I do not, now I will, but I do not follow Kyler on TikTok. I Wait, so you have a TikTok? Yes, I have a TikTok That's page. amazing. I learned today that Paul also has a TikTok. <laughs> what in the world? Look, I have a Twitter account. I have Instagram. Don't post anything on Instagram because I've learned over the years that in order to find out stuff about teams that you cover, that you like, players that you cover or that you like, many will reach 
and break news on their own on social media. I learned that way back in the day when Shaquille O'Neal was playing for the Phoenix Suns. He announced on Twitter, which I didn't know what, what, what that was at the time, said he was going to miss a game. The Suns had no idea he was going to miss a game. And then, okay, now i got to get on Twitter. I love that. that but now I need to follow Kyler Murray on TikTok because I don't. I don't follow a lot of people. I just, I just scroll a lot. You know what? This is what people want to see. How many times has Kyler Murray been criticized because he has been more private? How many off seasons has it been where he's not he's one of the few quarterbacks that isn't constantly posting his workouts or flying receivers out running routes with him in their off season, right? And he gets criticized for that. So I like seeing this side of Kyler. Something as simple as him doing goblet squats, elevated goblet squats, showing the depth, showing the bend in that knee. Um, I like the fact that, look, this is all in- intentional. The fact that he said, I will not let us down as and not just Kyler Murray and his teammates, but the people who have been supporting him. It's a great sign. It's a great sign, first of all, to see that mobility and see that bend in his knee and also just kind of see this is what people want to see from Kyler. They want to see the personality. They want to see the progress. And I like that he's leaning into that. And if there was any doubt in anyone's mind whether or not Kyler wanted to come back this season, that was erased. And it's been erased, at least in my mind, for a while. But, quote, I'm itching to get back. Doesn't sound like someone who's willing to sit out an entire season after ACL surgery. The the narrative that Kyler either doesn't want to play or it's not smart to have him play doesn't make any sense to me. It will not be cheap, but the reality is this organization has the opportunity to get out of his contract starting next year. And whether that's from the Cardinals, the Houston Texans, if you have a high draft pick, you need to know whether or not you need to spend that draft pick on a quarterback or not. You need to see what you have in Kyler Murray after this injury. You need to see what you have in Kyler Murray and Drew Petzing's offense and see how that works. There's too much writing on this to not see what Kyler can do in this new offense. So the narrative that he either doesn't want to play or it's smart to sit him because of the injury clause or any of that, just it doesn't make sense to me. I think what we've seen through these two games already is that this is not a team that's going in with the mindset of, oh, let's just skate by this year. We know that we're rebuilding or whatever word you want to use. That's not what we've seen. So you're not going to just sit your franchise quarterback to try and tank and get a higher draft pick no matter what fans are clamoring for. It does not benefit the team. It does not benefit the player for the player to sit out the entire season. Now, the question is, okay, Kyler's on IR. He needs to miss at least two more games. But he ended that TikTok message slash video with the word soon. What does soon mean? Now, it does mean a short amount of time, but in what context? Days? Weeks? Days. No, I'm saying in general, soon could be whatever. I'll see you soon. That could be in a couple of months. But in this this instance, it's a couple weeks, I would think. Yes, but to me... The clarification is, okay, I what is soon? It doesn't change from my perspective or my anticipation that Kyler is coming back sooner rather than later, and later meaning I always anticipated week seven, week eight, somewhere in that range, because if he is activated off IR after that fourth game, October 2nd is that Monday. Is he going to play week five? 
I would be highly, highly surprised if he played week five because he hasn't done any football activity, not allowed to do any football activity while he's on IR. Right, and that's the thing is there's not just being cleared to come back and coming off IR. That's not to say that doesn't mean that he's going to play that first game back. To me, I take that as soon as I will be back soon. So we have at least two more weeks, which could be soon. But also, considering how long he's been out, he said himself eight months, to me, soon would still fit in the category of four weeks. That's at least with no real basis to have that understanding whatsoever. That is where I am kind of interpreting of as soon as two weeks when he can come off IR up to maybe a month. So October... Middle of October, late October, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I'm coming back soon. It's not, I'm never coming back. It's, I'll see you next season. It was, I'm coming back soon. And to me, again, general concepts, context, that could mean anything. But in this particular instance, it's, okay, it's this season. It's probably not going to be in December. And it probably is not going to be Thanksgiving. My guess is the latest Halloween. But somewhere in the month of October, we will see Kyler Murray on the practice field and then in a game at State Farm Stadium. No, I agree. And I think, I mean, it, it's unfortunate how late the bye week is. But you for sure, if you want to do everything you can to get him playing before the bye week so we can have that extra time of rest as well. And again, this is because it is, and I don't know, maybe it was maybe just mere coincidence, but Kyler Murray from the state of Texas as undefeated against the Dallas Cowboys in his career, has never lost at AT&T Stadium going back to high school, college, and with the Cardinals. So was this by design or was this posted by mere coincidence that, hey, the Cowboys are coming up on Sunday? I don't know if it's that deep, to that's, be honest. Again, that's... I, I would think it's more coincidental. I do too. But it is another fun thought because it is... Kyler likes playing against, well, one, he likes playing in the state of Texas. Yeah. And he likes playing against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, because he's done pretty well. I can't say I blame him in that aspect. The question is, though, would you want Kyler Murray, a less than healthy Kyler Murray, going up against this Cowboys defense on Sunday? Oof. No. No, I would not either. By the way, since you do have some inside knowledge, maybe, hmm. on that team, Hmm. And you were there in 2021 when Hara, yeah. the team drafted linebacker Micah Parsons? Right, but, I mean, I was out here by week three. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you there, spent the people... Entire, you spent the entire offseason with Micah right, Parsons. But it was still, How do the it was Cardinals still stop COVID, him? It was still COVID uh, okay. protocols. All right, I'm just trying to get a little how edge here. How do you here. stop him? Yeah, how do you stop him? I don't know that you can. To be honest, you just have Drew to try... Drew Petzing said as much right? earlier. You week. just got to find a way to to get in his way as much as you can. I think this is going to be not similar to the way the game plan was against that Washington stout defensive line and those quick horizontal passes. But it's not just Micah Parsons. You've got Demarcus Lawrence on the other end as well. This isn't just a defense with one big player. I would imagine you really got to get the ball out quickly, which was something that we saw an improvement from quarterback Josh Dobbs from week one to week two, getting the ball out faster we saw more of a downfield presence with his receivers. You're going to have to keep the defense on the field, try and wear him out. So it's going to be a game you're going to have to rely on. James Conner as well. It's going to be tough, though. This Dallas defense ranks number one in 11 different 
categories. And it's not easy to weaken a very dominant defense where there aren't a lot of weak spots, if any. I mentioned this earlier on the Red Sea Report. I'll do it again here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Peter King has covered the National Football League for a number of years. His opinion means something because he's seen it all. This week's Football Morning in America column, he wrote this about Micah Parsons. Quote, Micah Parsons is the closest thing I've seen to Lawrence Taylor in terms of being able to collapse the pocket with a bull rush and turnstile a tackle with unblockable speed. End of sentence. And that is how dominant Micah Parsons has been, not just his first two seasons in the league, but even through these first two games, he was just named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. He is the highest-graded player, period, as far as pro football focus is concerned. He is a one-man wrecking crew right now so far for that Cowboys defense. He's a monster. Through two games, he's got three sacks, six quarterback hits, four tackles for loss. The scary part is he can line up everywhere. If you look at the numbers, he was lining up mostly as a linebacker his rookie year. Then it was a little more split, and now he's mostly lining up on the defensive line, and he can move around. Now, when we were talking to... Defensive coordinator Nick Ross Was it offensive coordinator Drew Petzing? Must have been Petzing, right? When you're talking about, you know, the defense is going to try and find the fish, right? The weak spot. If you're defensive coordinator Dan Quinn in Dallas, you're looking for that fish and you are lining up Micah Parsons every single snap there. It was a comment or a, I don't know, a metaphor, analogy. I don't know. I, I get the two confused a lot of the times, but Lorenzo Alexander brought up that term you always look for the fish on the offensive line, meaning the weak link, and you're trying to exploit that as much as possible. And right now, through two games, specifically on Sunday, grading-wise, Elijah Wilkinson did not grade out well. Now, that's pro football focus. That's one individual. Collectively, as a unit, the offensive line has played very well as a unit. Did not allow a single stack last week. James Conner and the Rushing attack, over 150 yards. First time in 45 games the Cardinals have been able to do such that in the same game. But if you're looking for the weakest link, yeah, you're looking at the left guard, and do we see number 11 line up a little bit more on the what would be his right, but the left side of the Cardinals' offensive line? It's not only getting beat. What I'm concerned about is the final drive against the Giants. There were two false start penalties. And if you are having a hard time going up against somebody like a Micah Parsons, you need to be sound enough to not try and jump the gun and be so worried about not beating Parsons that you are now causing penalties and giving yourself negative yardage and putting your offense, your team, in difficult positions. It was very loud on Sunday in the fourth quarter. Giants fans felt the momentum swing, and they were very loud. It's expected to be very loud again on this Sunday with Cowboys fans at State Farm Stadium. Drew Petzing on Tuesday asked about the noise and the false starts, the number of them in the second half. Mentioned it was, quote, a little bit lack of focus. So as much as it has been brought up as far as the noise because it's not great when you have to do a silent count in your own building, but that's where the Arizona Cardinals are right now. And to me, a pre-snap penalty is inexcusable. 
I can deal with the physical mistakes, even a pass interference mistake, but it's the pre-snap and post-snap penalties that has bothered this team for too long, regardless of coaching staff. And specifically, if you want this offense to score points and finish games, you cannot play behind the sticks. And that was the difference on Sunday because all of a sudden, if you're the Cardinals on that last drive or the back-to-back false starts, a third and six is manageable. But a third and 16 is not. And that's a problem for this offensive line and for this Cardinals offense. And I asked Drew Petzing about that because it, fe- it felt like more so week one in Washington, those were just aggressive penalties. It felt more like on the defense and felt like this time around it was more penalties on the offense of false starts, blocking in the back, right? Those kinds of things. Penalty still an issue, but a different kind of penalty. And I asked Drew Petzing about that on Tuesday. And he said, you just have to make sure that in those big moments, the coaches and the players aren't getting too anxious or the butterflies in your stomach that you're staying calm and trusting the process and trusting what your role is and knowing what your role is. So you're not getting wrapped up, whether that's in noise or making a dumb decision and, and blocking or anything like that. And this team just has to be smarter when it comes to those penalties, because there were multiple plays that were negated because of a penalty that shouldn't have even been there. And that's just on offense. That's not even talking about, right, Dante Stills, his penalty in which the Giants would go on and score two plays later on that drive. You just have to be smarter. Cardinals have gotten themselves in trouble because they're getting themselves in their own way. And you're not being able to sustain drives, score points, or get off the field defensively if you're making those kind of mistakes. And that's That's what we've heard now for a couple of days post-Sunday is it's about execution and maybe a little bit better play calling or different play calling. But play calling to me is so subjective. You could have the best play call and it just be snuffed out because the defense knew where to be or you have a mistake and all of a sudden the great play call is a disaster. Or you could have a poor play call and the quarterback or a wide receiver or a defender makes an outstanding play, goes above and beyond, and you're like, wow, that was a great – yeah, I, I didn't call that. I, I, you know, They did that on their own. So, again, it goes back to those people between the lines, i.e. the players, that need to make sure that they are on task and doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, especially late in the game. Cardinals have been outscored 27 nothing in the fourth quarter of the last two games. And if you piece together, right – part of the first game, part of the second game, the Cardinals would have looked pretty good. But that's not the case, and that can't be the case moving forward to where you have one strong half, and then you're losing, I don't want to say momentum, but you're not being efficient. You're not moving the ball. You're not stopping the run. You're not preventing chunk plays. You have to find a way to finish the game strong. Three quarters of football, Cardinals are undefeated. Unfortunately... Great news. It's, it's four quarters, and the Cardinals are looking at an 0-2 record with the Dallas Cowboys coming to town on Sunday. As we continue here talking about that matchup on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The news of the day on the field, i.e. the news of the day was about Kyler Murray and his workout video, but news of the day on the field, again, always seems to be the case. There's always a position group. And there always seems to be a certain injury within that position group that bothers or is plaguing a team regardless of sport. For the Arizona Cardinals in 2023, the position group is defensive line and the injury is a biceps 
We've had LJ Collier and now Carlos Watkins. Watkins likely to head to IR here sooner rather than later. Collier is already there. Collier has had surgery. Watkins is going to have surgery. No one has been ruled out, though the expectation because of the nature of the injury and the surgery and the recovery, I would not expect to see Collier or Watkins back with the Arizona Cardinals this season, which is unfortunate because, one, Collier had been playing very, very well in a short amount of time. Both signed on one-year deals in the offseason to bolster up that defensive line room, and now it is a room that has a lot of question marks and could be a huge liability for the Cardinals. When it rains, it pours. I mean, looking at the defense as a whole, Josh Woods still dealing with an ankle, hasn't practiced, missed last week's game. Buda Baker went on IR after Sunday's game, which he didn't play in because of a hamstring. The defense, I feel like, looked good, especially in that first week because we've talked about you don't have the big name star power at really any position. But it seemed like, whether that was just making the most of what you had or the scheme, that there was enough good in all the positions. It looked like it was going to work. A big part of that was the rotation, outside linebacker and defensive line. Again, no big star power names, but by doing that, you are getting the best out of what you have. You are keeping their legs fresh. You are keeping the offense on their toes. That now changes when... Ledbetter, Jonathan Ledbetter, is having to play more on the defensive line because you don't have Collier. You're now not going to have walk-ins. So thankfully, Lucky Fotu, who missed week two with a shoulder, was out at practice, and so he should be good to go moving forward. But that's a big question mark, is you are relying on those top six defensive linemen, and you are going to rotate them, and suddenly that isn't really an option. So are the snap counts going to be lopsided? Is that going to change the way that you are utilizing your defensive linemen, which is going to change the way you're using your linebackers, your outside linebackers? There's a lot of question marks. And while that's going to change week to week, depending on who you're going against or other injuries or people coming back, I really do think that losing Watkins and Collier can really change how you use your front seven because you're not going to be able to have the same rotation on that D-line that you had week one that you were planning on having for the season. You're going to have a rotation. It's just going to be different names. It's going to be second team, third team guys. I mean, you're a starter for a reason, and now all of a sudden you lose a starter, and that means a backup becomes a starter, but the backup is not as good as a starter. So, yeah, the level of play drops off. Now you always hear next man up, but there's you get to a point where you only have so many of those within the same position group. You want five defensive linemen to rotate. I think that's what Nick Rollis wants to do. But he wants to keep those snap counts between 30 and 40. And when you have Ledbetter and Kevin Strong playing 50 snaps against the Giants because Watkins leaves early in the first half and you bring in Dante Stills, first career game, and then Eric Banks, who did not play a ton last year. In fact, he only played one game for the Cardinals. So you have a lot of inexperience So that's why Ledbetter and Strong were on the field for so long, and they did wear out. Rollis didn't agree with that. Gannon didn't agree with that assessment. But let's be honest, a defensive lineman is not supposed to play 50 or more snaps in a game. That's not what that position requires, especially within this defense when you are conditioned to be rotated in and out. And not only that, but look at the type of quarterbacks. Daniel Jones was a good example of being able to get out of the pocket and extend the plays and move. And that's a different kind of 
offense to have to defend against as opposed to somebody who's going to stay in the pocket and just hand the ball to running back. Like there's, I agree. I think you could see stamina kind of falling off. Um, So I, I think while they might not be big names everybody knows about with LJ Collier and Carlos Watkins, losing these two likely for the season is rough. And then on top of that, you are missing your star player and Buda Baker for at least four weeks. So now you're without your best player on offense and Kyler Murray and your best player on defense and Buda Baker. I mean, this is this is some early adversity for, for this team and for this coaching staff to try and work around. Don't see a lot of rotation in that secondary. Rollis even brought up he expects defensive backs, linebackers to play every single snap. It's better if you can rotate an edge rusher to keep them fresh. But in the back end, this Cardinals team has relied on Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, Marco Wilson, and Keytrail Clark. Now, if you're going to play with that third safety, it's been Kayvon Wallace. Okay, well, you subtract Buda from the equation, and it's Jalen Thompson, Kayvon Wallace, and on Sunday it was Andre Sachere, who has been with the team over the years, but played his first game as an Arizona Cardinal on Sunday. And all three of those safeties played better than 90% of the defensive snaps. I'm curious, does that change with a full week of practice? Do you keep that three-safety rotation? Or does an Antonio Hamilton, who hasn't seen a ton of snaps on defense, a Christian Matthew see his first defensive snaps? Because that third safety becomes your slot corner. Now, Jalen Thompson can play that position. He plays it very well. But do you want him on the back end playing Buddha's role because that were he's best suited for this defense? That'll definitely be something interesting to see, and I think you're right. I think at that specific example, that situation, is more about where Jalen Thompson fits best for your needs without Buda Baker and going up against this specific Cowboys offense. I think it's more about that rather than we need to get Antonio Hamilton, we need to get Christian Matthew more snaps in, in terms of that. I think it's more where do we put Jalen Thompson to get the most out of him and the most out of the defense in the situation we're in. And this week, likely because C.D. Lamb, looking at some of the numbers, has played a lot in the slot. He has the most receiving yards from the slot position okay so if you believe Jalen Thompson is a better slot corner than a Antonio Hamilton then maybe for this week it's JT and then next week it could be Antonio I don't know if there is a definitive answer to your point Danny that we're okay this is what we're going to do now okay well this is what we're going to do now this week and it might change next week next month the other wrinkle in all this is Marco Wilson. He did not play well on Sunday. He was darn right awful. Seven catches for 155 yards on nine targets. Now, can he have a bounce back performance? Or is Antonio Hamilton seeing some time at corner backing up Marco or Keytrail Clark? Or is that Christian Matthew? There's a number of different moving parts here in the secondary, which I don't know which way that defense will look specifically this week? I don't think that is something that could be ruled out in terms of if the performance is not up to par, this coaching staff making a change. I don't see them as a staff that's, well, this is how we started. He earned this spot. We're just going to ride with him. I mean, especially the cornerback position 
really. It, it kind of seems like while he had played well and progressed each year, it kind of felt like the starting role more so fell into Marco's Marco Wilson's lap, and then he just didn't lose it. So I, th- I don't think you're wrong that if the performance continues to not be up to par, I do think you could see a change there. He did get picked on talking about Marco Wilson. Does that open up the door for someone else, or was that a one-off? And hopefully it is just a one-off for Marco Wilson. Again, it is a huge challenge coming up on Sunday. The Dallas Cowboys' best team in the league, according to many. Not me. Not you? Let's specify that. Okay. According to many. <laughs> Many not named Danny Sarek, but yeah, the Cowboys 2-0. and And let's remember that a year ago, and again, I'm getting to something here, Danny. A year ago, the first start of 2022 for Josh Dobbs was against the Dallas Cowboys with the Tennessee Titans. Now here, for the first time in his career, he's going to start three straight games in a row in the NFL. And start number three is against the Cowboys. And you had a chance to speak with Mr. Dobbs earlier as part of Sideline Exchange. I did. He was a great interview. We covered a whole range of topics, um, specifically what allowed that night and day change from week one to week two and, and what realistic expectations are and what type of plays were left out on the field and how you change that. Uh, talked about better execution in the fourth quarter and what this team needs to do to have a stronger finish. We talked a lot about the Cowboys defense as well and Micah Parsons and how you try and find or create holes in that defense that are not hard or not easy to come by. So talked with him on Wednesday. That should be out Thursday on social media channels, website, YouTube channel, all the good stuff. Now, when you talked to him, was he wearing the Florida Gators shirt like he was when he walked in? to do his weekly press conference with he the media. He was not. He was he wearing was Cardinals gear, head-to-toe, hat, sweatshirt, shorts. Okay. Need to figure this out because Dobbs lost a bet to DJ Humphreys, Florida-Tennessee rivalry. Humphreys a Gator. Dobbs a Tennessee volunteer. And the volunteers lost. They got upset. Now, I just wonder if what Dobbs did wearing it just – walking into the press conference and he took it off didn't even wear it with you during your sideline exchange was that good enough to make good on this bet with dj might have to ask tj in the locker room it was pretty funny i was walking out onto the field before we got josh mic'd up and ready to go for the interview i was kind of talking about moving to arizona and how things have been he asked how long i've been here and i said oh i've been here two years i was actually with the cowboys before this he's like oh really and i was like yeah so if you can pull out a win i would really appreciate it was like oh it's a little revenge game for you i was like yeah i would really be grateful for a win this week of all weeks and he laughed look at you using the connections the inside knowledge to get something for yourself i like it well, it wouldn't just be for me. The win would benefit everybody, Craig. But more player. so but more so for you, though. Who would be the most happy walking off the field at State Farm Stadium on Sunday? Cardinals you know, I got to say, when, when these two teams played in January of 2022, my first year here, I went to the game in Dallas. That was the first game I traveled to. I had probably the biggest grin ever walking <laughs> off the field. I remember I interviewed Zach Allen after the game outside the locker room. I had the biggest grin after that game. You thanked him very much, didn't you? Yes. Okay. Just remember, Danny, you are the favorite. Thank you. And I'm going to ride that as long as I can because I have not been the favorite, maybe if ever. <laughs> ever? Come on. I'm the middle child. I was oh, I was okay. a trouble child. You got the hand-me-downs. You never got anything new. No, that's not necessarily true, but I was I was definitely trouble. 
Okay. I think less me about being trouble and my other two sisters just being very good. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Might have to dive into that a little bit later on. Yeah, this maybe season. off air. <laughs> On that note, before we get Danny in any trouble, because we want to make sure she stays <laughs> the favorite, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.